Hi everyone, this is Dr. Matt Whited and I'm here back again with the buzz in behavioral medicine. And today I have a new guest, Dr. Emily Laddie, uh, and I'll leave her to introduce herself. Awesome. Thanks, Matt. I am Emily. I am an assistant professor at Northwestern University in the Department of Medical Social Sciences, and I serve as the associate director of training for Northwestern Center for Behavioral Intervention Technologies. Um, I've been a member of SVM since my first year of graduate school back in 2010, and I've been serving on the Digital Health Council for the last um, several years. I started as a student rep back when I was on my um, clinical internship year um, and have continued for the most part since then. And I'm excited to be here today to talk about the cool program. Great. So you're a longtime SBM or two. I think I've been super long. At least started membership in grad school as well. Thanks to my yeah. mentor pushing me in that direction. And then, you know, once I started going regularly, it was just consistent forever. <laughs> it's my every year <laughs> conference. Um, so tell me a bit about what uh, what's coming up in the conference. What are what are we excited about when it comes to digital health? Yeah. So one of the things that I really love about SBM and SBM's annual conference is how much digital health has been embraced um, by SBM. Um, one of the things that I was particularly excited about um, to see for this year's uh, program is that there's going to be a course called Techwity, um, strategies to inform and enhance health equity in digital health design, um, which I feel like is just such a massively important topic um, that the COVID-19 pandemic has really highlighted. Um, and so I'm pumped to see that that's part of the program this year. Really fits with the meeting theme too. Uh, yeah. Know, I mean, well, digital health in general fits with the meeting theme, but, yeah. but equity especially, you know, and I think it's always been the dream of, you know, using technology to reach especially rural and disadvantaged folks. Um, where I'm at at East Carolina University, big rural population right outside of town, you know, so, um, it, but, you know, there's also like strategies we need to use to make that happen. It's just not going to emerge because we use tech. Um, yeah. So it's awesome to have a whole class on that. Yeah, I feel like a lot of researchers got into the digital health space wanting to reach underserved communities, wanting to expand kind of the capabilities and reach of behavioral medicine and behavioral health kinds of services. And there are a lot of specific strategies that need to be used to actually realize that. And so when we, you know, develop programs with convenient samples of who volunteers to be in those programs first, we often wind up designing digital health programs for predominantly white female audiences, because white women are so much more likely to be volunteering for some of these kinds of research studies. Mm -hmm. And so I'm really um, pleased to see more concerted efforts towards design for health equity purposes rather than assuming, oh, if we build things, of course, this is going to help people. Um, and so yeah, this is, I think, a great showing both um, by SVM and the field as a whole. Yeah, that's wonderful. Um, so equity, love it. Uh, equity. I'm going to start using that as a buzzword from uh, know, right? <laughs> other people have probably used it for a while. But when I was going through the program, it was my first time seeing it. And I thought, that's a really good one. I agree. Uh, so what else have we got lined up? So we have, there's a lot. Um, 
there is going one panel that I'm also particularly excited about is about using machine learning to advance behavioral science. And so I feel like there's been a lot of buzz about machine learning and it wasn't the necessarily like the domain area of a lot of SBMers a handful of years ago. Um, And so there's going to be a cross-disciplinary panel talking about how to use machine learning to advance behavioral science, talking about challenges and potential solutions that have come up. And so it looks like the panelists are going to be speaking frankly about the practical barriers that have emerged in applying machine learning methods to behavioral data um, and talking about solutions that they've tried to overcome these challenges. And so I feel like this is going to be a really cool part of the program, both for attendees who are already working in the space to be kind of getting some tips and tricks as well as likely a really good introduction um, to, you know, both trainees, we have a great trainee audience and folks who are looking to switch gears a little bit and collaborate outside of their initial disciplines. I think so. that's one of the big strengths about panels. Uh, I really enjoy yeah. it, going to and being on panels because you, you get that very realistic, like what, you know, what problems did you run into? What were the big barriers, you know, in both how you get started and then specifically how you do certain things, right? <laughs> if you've been yep. doing it for a while, you know, how'd you deal with this thing? I keep running into this thing. Um, and if it's just a talk, you only get what's there. You know, you can you can go yeah. up and, and stand in line and bug the person at the end and and find out. And you know, SBMers are are gracious people, so they'll wait right. around. But you know, when a whole uh, presentation of a panel is designed to be that back and forth and designed to have that kind of interaction um, and discussion and and kind of just real life uh, experience of doing a certain thing, I, they're so helpful. Yeah, I panels are always one of my very favorite parts of going to conferences. And whenever I get to sit in on panels like this one, I feel like it's kind of an opportunity to be getting like an hour of group mentorship from people yeah. who are doing the things that I care about. Um, and so I was, I was excited to see this. That sounds like a great one. Now you've got me really excited. I, you know, I'm, I'm a cardiovascular person and I'm hunting for that stuff, but now I want to go to the digital health. Like, okay, how can I use this and how can I use that? And both in my practice and my research, right? Yeah, for sure. So we have um, a handful of really cool looking symposiums too. I'll talk a little bit about symposiums that are organized already before moving on to some of the um, neat papers and spotlights that will be happening. Um, one of the symposiums that I also think is going to be a big hit is called From Buzzwords to Outcomes, Adapting Evidence-Based Methods During Product Development in Industry Settings. And I've seen, you know, for the last maybe five or five to seven years, all of the industry-focused or industry collaboration kind of panels within SBM seem to get a really good turnout. And one of the things that I really love about the SBM community is how many folks who I think kind of grew up within SBM through their graduate training and have gone on to industry positions have maintained their connections with SBM and have really focused on bridging strong behavioral science to 
the kinds of products and programs that they're developing in industry settings that can deliver services at scale. Um, and so this symposium specifically is going to be talking about um, how behavioral science can play this really integral role in digital product development within industry settings. Um, and it's going to explore how evidence-based methods, methods can be adapted while preserving fidelity. Um, and so I think this will be a really cool type of symposium for trainees who are looking at the whole array of career options ahead of them. I think it will be really useful for folks who are in industry already hearing about uh, how things are going in other spaces. I think it'll be great for people who are in academia who are potentially considering making a jump over to industry, as well as people who are in academia and healthcare settings that recognize that their programs of research need to collaborate more tightly um, with industry partners to move things forward, advance the science, have the kind of scope and scale that they want to have. Um, and so I think this is, I think this one's going to be a, a strong one as well. I think that one's going to be a hit. I mean, I can, so last year uh, at S virtual SBM, one of our students actually made a co connection with an industry partner with a, an app developer. And yeah. um, we're actually in, in conversation with them now about doing some research and looking at mostly health disparity within the use and activity of their app. Yeah. Um, and so, and that all happened just because one of our students went to a talk <laughs> SBM right. by that, that where one of these folks were at and those connections just happened. So it's wonderful to hear that there's a symposia where everyone who's interested in this is going to be. So yep. one, the symposium is going to be amazing. But two, it really gives that opportunity for meeting each other and networking and starting some of these relationships. And, and knowing how to do it, I think, is challenging. I realized that very quickly when we this grad student and I started doing it. We're like, yeah, we, yeah. we, need, we need to go look up some stuff because we <laughs> have a pretty good idea of what we're doing. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we... That we could use some help, some thoughts from people who have done it and from industry partners who've said, like from both sides of that conversation. Yeah. Um, to understand like what the industry people want and then what, how we can adapt what we know how to do to right. fit with what they're trying to do. Um, but one yeah, thing I, I think, love, you know, go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead. I was say one thing I love is that I'm seeing more and more uh, digital health apps, especially advertising an empirical basis. They're mm -hmm. advertising and saying, we have someone that does this, you know, yep. or we, you know, we adapted this from here, we consulted with people. And I think that the fact that that's becoming also a marketing strength mm -hmm. um, is really helpful for that. Cause that's, you know, if, if it can't be monetized, it's not always useful for them. So the fact that what we bring to the table is such an asset, both in, you know, making something that works, mm -hmm. but also now that's what humans apparently are looking for in apps because yes. they're advertising that as a big advantage. Yeah, we're, I think we're beyond the the position that we were in maybe 10, 15 years ago where anyone was kind of just enthusiastic about like, oh, there's technology that can do these things. And our population, our consumer base only, understandably, wants to invest their time and energy on things that they have trust in and they believe in and can work. Um, and so I think there's a really great role here. Um what you were speaking about earlier with your graduate student meeting somebody and it fostering all these connections and um, spurring some kind of new ideas was just reminding me about how valuable, like that's great that happened in the virtual setting and how valuable it is to 
be present with other conference attendees and be able to ask questions, introduce oneself, get those, like the networking is valuable for all different forms. Um, And I think that particularly in the digital health space where there are likely connections that can be formed that can help with projects that are happening immediately now. There are things that can be happening with projects that we might be writing up for grants in the upcoming year or two and connections Mm -hmm. that can be useful for intellectual collaborations further down the line. Um, That's saying hi and introducing oneself and getting the friendly SBM community together on that, I think will really help a lot of this along. Yeah. And it's so nice to have sessions like this that are going to help facilitate that. We're not just saying, you know, I, I hate to tell my students yet, go to SBM, go network. Yes. <laughs> it's like, now I can tell them, go network, go to these sessions, talk to people around you, talk to people, you know, it's, it's much more accessible, um, you know, as a, as a, as a grad student trainer person, yes. but, but, but even for like, for anyone who, if you're breaking into a new area and very senior, it's yes. helpful. If you're new, you know, if more junior, it's, it's just a wonderful community. Yeah, I remember oftentimes feeling as a graduate student, like, oh, go network, but I'm in graduate school right now. I'm already working with the people I'm going to work with. I'm not ready to go on the job market yet in any way. Um, and recognizing the whole host of benefits that professional networking can lend itself to both for students all the way up to people who are more senior, I think has made me a lot more enthusiastic about what a friendly community there is within SBM and how great it is that there are so many attendees and regular longstanding members that are working in different kinds of domains and settings to really be able to explore what's possible there. Yeah. Yeah. So a great symposia. What else do we have on this long list? I know we can't go through all of them, but but let's let's hit some more highlights. This is great. So there's on the topic of health equity, there's another symposium on um, health equity called Designing, Implementing, and Sustaining Behavioral Health Technologies to Promote Health Equity. And so this will be going through um, three different examples of how digital health technologies have been um, implemented um, and how the developers, users, the context that they're in, um, how the design might impact health equity. And so it'll think it'll be another really nice presentation that will give some kind of case examples of this where attendees will be able to walk away, hopefully inspired by how they can do better and how they can continue doing better in the kind of work mm-hmm. that they're doing. Giving us the chance to see some great examples of design for equity. Yeah, definitely. And then there's also a symposium on um, three examples of cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia done in a digital intervention format. And I feel like this will probably be, I'm about to make a bad pun, a sleeper hit. Um, (laughs) Just knowing how insomnia rates have increased in these very messy two years of our world. Um, And Cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia is a first-line treatment. It's not accessible to um, a huge portion of Americans in a face-to-face format. Um, And so I think that um, there will likely be interest um, and good attendance in looking at how some different internet-delivered CBT for insomnia um, programs have been 
designed and tested and um, what populations they're working well with. Oh, that's great. That'd be wonderful to know. That's yep. so many of my, you know, when we start, so many of my patients, just when we start bothering to ask about sleep routinely, we're a health psychology program. So yes. all my students are do that. Like you just see the, that problem. Um, it's yep. just it's everywhere and it's rides alongside so many other issues. And, mm-hmm. you know, of course we are all familiar with the research between sleep and various aspects of physical and mental health. And yep. so, you, you know, it's, it should be a part of so many things we do and it'd be so nice to have, you know, good digital resources for that. Yeah. Um, when we have to do it as an, as an adjunct and it can't be the main focus of treatment or something along those lines. Yep. Yeah. I feel like sleep problems come up so pervasively and oftentimes it's not the reason why somebody is seeking treatment, Mm -hmm. but addressing sleep could benefit them across the board in so many different ways. Um, And so I feel like the future of behavioral healthcare has to include some technology delivered insomnia treatment programs to help move people in those right directions. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, other things in the digital health program this year, um, one paper session that I'm enthusiastic about was um, utilization of telemedicine for mood disorders in the pre-COVID-19 era. era. And this is a systematic review Um that the authors had done. And I've been super interested over these last two years as there was that really rapid switch to remote delivered care services for a lot of conditions. There had already been a really good evidence base for it. Um, And our healthcare systems and the way that people are trained and are getting used to delivering services is just so different. Um, now than it had been prior to the pandemic. And so I'm excited to hear about the reflections on remote psychiatric care pre-COVID with discussion of Mm -hmm. how we are likely to be uh, designing, delivering, continuing to have um, different care support services available in the hopefully soon to be post-pandemic world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and my, my big question is, what is the hybrid model that mm-hmm. follows, you know, yeah. and, and knowing what we had before, we know, know what we had during because we were forced to have it. Yep. But now that we, you know, in the post pandemic world, which hopefully is sooner rather than later, yep. what, what are our choices? You know, how it's got to be a hybrid model because right. there's a lot of benefits to doing things this way, but yeah. how do we know who and when and who benefits and how to do it? Yes. <laughs> Yes, there's a lot of open questions about the best designs for that hybrid model. And I'm happy that there are going to continue to be conversations, discussions, sharing ideas um, around that. And I think the SBM community is a good community to have that take place in. Absolutely. Um, One other paper session that um, I think should be pretty neat is a feasibility and efficacy of an EMA and text messaging intervention for stress management during COVID-19. Um, and so I I will say personally, I was very impressed by people who launched studies early into the pandemic um, because my brain could not handle launching yes. new studies <laughs> immediately. Um, but this is a study that looks at a pilot RCT um, that compares ecological momentary assessment um, with ecological momentary assessment plus 
text message, two text messages per day with content related to stress management. Um, and so I think that, um, you know, studies like this one are really interesting in thinking through how we can design and implement these relatively low maintenance types of mm-hmm. interventions that can push meaningful psychoeducational content to people during times that they could really benefit from getting um, brief psychoeducational content and reminders about their own well-being and what's within their control. Um, And so I was happy to see that one on the program as well. Yeah, I really enjoy things that focus on like, I mean, I love diagnostic level problems and treating them. Depression is my jam and I love treating depression and researching that. But you know, it's so nice to see these, like you said, low investment interventions that pretty much anybody can benefit from, benefit from especially at the right. beginning of the pandemic. <laughs> you know, yeah. a little bit of stress management would have been good for all of us. And so it's yes. great to see people trying to determine what level of intervention is needed for what level of change and getting people in there who could, like who anyone can benefit from our behavioral health technology, not necessarily folks who, you know, things are elevated to a diagnostic level or an easily identifiable level. Right. Yeah. I feel like everyone, just as everyone has room to improve their physical health in some capacity, everyone has room to improve their mental and uh, their mental and emotional health in some capacity too. Um, And I think that recognition is a strength within SVM um, in that most members tend not to take as much of a psychopathology, no psychopathology kind of approach and recognize that there's better health through behavior change. And that health is whole person health rather than just thinking about one of these domains. That's right. Um, yeah. And then there are a handful of really interesting looking um, research spotlights. Um, there's one talking about the development and usability of a virtual reality experience to address childhood obesity. Um, so it's always cool to get to see oh, yeah. what kinds of higher tech tech is being mm-hmm. used in these interventions. Um, and there are, um, there's a research spotlight on an Instagram delivered gestational weight gain intervention um, for women with pre-pregnancy overweight or obesity, which I thought was so cool because we know how much time people spend scrolling through social media and how, you know, this idea of being able to deliver um, brief interventions in that format that people are already spending a lot of their time um, Mm -hmm. seems really fantastic. Yeah, I mean, if we have a habit of going to a certain place to look at stuff, it'd be Mm -hmm. nice to have a little notification dot in that place that says, hey, also, (laughs) you were working on this health thing, you know, maybe, you know, it's, if you just you leverage that, that habit that's already created, um, Mm -hmm. and and then direct it in a way that's gonna, you know, enhance health. Yeah. 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 So overall, I feel like there are a ton of really exciting um, digital health kind of content areas being covered in the program this year. Mm -hmm. I could go through everything about why I'm excited about it. uh, But (laughs) those are just some of the high points that aren't um, necessarily inclusive of everything. 
That's fantastic. And, and as you said, you know, SBM has really embraced a digital health. And I think that, that it was, has been very forward thinking and, and very impressive. Um, and I still find that you know, not being a digital health aficionado, but certainly somebody who's very interested and spends a lot of time in these sessions, yeah. um, I haven't found anything lost with that. You know, it's yeah. been an enhancement, an overall enhancement to SBM. And, and it uh, pertains to everything everyone at SBM is doing, especially right. now, especially with the pandemic. Yes, um, definitely. So I have to ask you, you know, at SBM, you get, you get, you're wandering around, you see people, you know, you get pulled off into things and sometimes you miss sessions, but what is, what is of this list? You're not miss session. The thing you're most excited about that you would, you know, cover your head and uh, try to sneak past the people that you know, so you can get to this session on time without interruption. Oh, there's a, it's a tough decision. Um, Potentially the buzzwords to outcomes, um, adapting evidence-based methods during product development and industry settings, just because I have always really loved the, both the industry presentations, but the kind of conversations and collegiality that tend to happen in those rooms too, before the presentations start and after the presentations happen, because they seem to attract a crowd of people who all recognize that they could learn a lot from one another because everyone's coming mm -hmm. in with um, some unique experiences. And so, you know, I'm really enthusiastic about a lot of the other presentations that are happening here too. And that's the one that stands out to me as likely a really good networking opportunity. Um, and so I wouldn't want to miss the in-person part of it. <laughs> Yeah, I'm feeling the same way. I might be seeing you there as long as it's not stacked <laughs> up against the time I'm presenting or something yeah. like that. Like I will be there too. And trying to get my, um, my students, if they're at the conference, they'll be there too, because yeah. that is, that sounds just like an invaluable opportunity. Like you said, both the information, uh, and the networking opportunities, the ability to actually meet the folks that are doing this work. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Yeah. Uh, really enjoyed chatting with you. Um, you've got me very excited for this piece of the conference, and I hope our listeners are feeling the same way. Yeah. Thank you for having me. This was fun. Take care. All right. Well, take care, Emily.